0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Value Script, the podcast where we bring value every episode for the everyday person. Today, we have a very special guest. I'm excited to introduce Miss Marissa Hughes. She is the founding partner and co-owner of Mavi Med Spa. She is a nurse practitioner specializing in medical aesthetics and wound care. She is currently a director of the Heart of Dixie Vein and Vascular Center. She has been awarded the honor of 30 in their 30s by the St. George Chamber of Commerce. She's chosen to be a national trainer by two national aesthetic companies, Reveness and Endo Aesthetics. She's a single mother of two my nephews. (laughs) 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 Emotional beast coming back. Um, Single mother of two amazing young men. And she happens to be my sister in law, Meredith's sister. She's an amazing woman. Welcome to the show, Marissa.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. We've wanted to have you on the show since we started. And um, since you got to come down for Thanksgiving, we're grateful for this opportunity to have you here and just share your story with the audience because I feel it's quite inspiring. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. Yes, you
1: too. Thanks for letting me crash at your
0: house. (laughs) 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 All right, Marissa. How, you know... We kind of grew up in the same area. Uh, I grew up in, in a small town west of a small town. Yeah. <laughs> we all went to high school in Buckeye. That was the big town we all drove to. And I grew up in Palo Verde and you grew up in Arlington, which is 10 miles further west and deeper into the country.
2: Even smaller. Even smaller, <laughs> even
0: right? a Small town. Yeah, even smaller, small town. Um, I. The reason I'm framing that is it seems that most people when they think of high level performers, people that are opening, you know, high end med spa, running a cardiovascular center, those types of things. You know, I've wondered in my own mind how important it is to have the big titles from like Harvard, Yale, you know, whatever. Right. And I I went to Arizona State. You know, you went to Dixie State. Dixie State yeah. Right. Um, how important do you think it is to Obtain higher education, and also does it matter where you go. In your I experience, think
1: so no, I mean, yeah, we grew up. We went to Buckeye High School. We right. we joke of that in St. George. Um, my business partner, he's always like, "You guys ever heard of Buckeye?
0: It's like <laughs> east of
1: nothing and south of nowhere." Like, I mean, small town. Um, I think for me, I always knew that I wanted to get out of Buckeye and, like, see what the rest of the world had to offer. So I went to St. George, Utah.
3: (laughs) I actually
1: went to Cedar City. City. I went to Cedar City, which is even smaller. Uh (laughs)
3: Um,
1: But, no, I think it all depends on, like, ultimately what you want and your drive. And I don't think it matters where you go. Yeah, it's it's what you make it. Have you
0: ever felt limited by... You know, the places that you chose to receive your education in any way. Mm -mm. I haven't either. That's that's, You know, people talk about those things. And I just think, you know, I'm a a farm kid. I grew up on a farm, you know, what does he say? (laughs) West of nowhere and south of nowhere. right? And, you know, I went to this podunk. Podunk. I love my elementary school. It was a great elementary school. But, you know, in in many people's eyes, it's a small, it was a small farm-fed elementary school. And um, I then, you know, we went to high school. And then I was able to receive as much education as I ever wanted. Yeah. And I feel like I, I wasn't limited by that at all. Yeah. But I, um, when you were growing up, did you have a ver- version of yourself or a vision of who you wanted to become?
1: I did. It's interesting. I think back to that. Like, I always knew that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, you know, our, our little sister, she has a heart condition. And I remember playing doctor on her. And I think, you know, with growing up with her needs, we, we were caretakers to a large degree, like Meredith to a large degree helped raise me. Um, I have always had that desire to help people and take care, take care of people. But I always knew I wanted to be a nurse, like in high school, I knew I was going to be a nurse. It was never like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's just, that's, that's what I was going to be which is weird to me because I think sometimes people get stuck in this, I don't know what I want to do. And they, you know, take a million different classes at college and they still don't know what they want to do. I just always knew in my heart that I wanted to be a nurse. And um, I think that's from God. But um, so I moved to Southern Utah. I got married young and started my course of nursing classes and attended Dixie State um, to get my associates in nursing at that time they didn't have a bachelor's program and um i had had oakley my my oldest uh in the prerequisite portion of my education and then actually was pregnant with my second when i was in my third semester of nursing school so i was eight months pregnant when i graduated
0: or, were you working too at the time
1: I, I was... Com- well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it was complicated. There was a competitive nursing residency program at the hospital that I really wanted to apply for. It was really competitive. I thought, I'm pregnant. They're never going to hire me. Um, but I applied, and I was one of four from my class that, that was accepted. And so... At that time, my husband had actually just lost his job. I was um, two months away from graduation from nursing school. And it was contingent upon passing your nursing boards, of course. And um, I graduated by that time. By the time I started, I was eight months pregnant and working 12-hour shifts, um, working nights. And it was really hard. Really, really hard.
0: Um, I want to ask you something, uh, ask about something you mentioned earlier. Um, and really, and and make a commentary. Um, you mentioned that your desire to be a nurse was innate, almost as if it came from God. Yeah. Um, I guess, do you still feel that way? I do. Yeah. Has that been confirmed by your career path or is that, how has that been confirmed to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if I think about it too hard, it'll make me emotional. I, uh, that's
0: right. I cry all the time on this podcast. Okay. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I just, when I look at where
1: I'm at right now, um, if I was not in the career that, I was, that I'm in right now, I would not be able to take care of my kids. And, you know, I have the opportunity as a nurse practitioner just in nursing in general i've had the opportunity to to really impact people's lives and sometimes that's before i ever put my hands on them you know just by loving them like i i think there's so much power in like having that good relationship with patients and just with people in general and connecting with them. And I've always had that desire to just be something good for people. And sometimes it's really small and sometimes it's it's really dramatic and it and it impacts me sometimes more than it does them. So yeah, I, I still feel that way for sure.
0: I kind of wanted to take the tangent too since you mentioned that Meredith basically raised you since your parents were so... Um, most, much of their time was taken up with doctor's visits and um, things to do with your sister's heart condition, surgeries and hospital stays and work and balancing all that. And I, I, I observed that I was able to watch that happen. And that's one of the reasons I always said, I want to marry somebody like Meredith. Yeah. Because I knew she'd be a phenomenal mother and a wonderful wife. And that she could, because I saw the results basically of what she could do before I even before I was even out of high school. Right. And so I felt like that was a rare privilege that I was able to witness something like that. And it really is a testament to you.
2: Oh, thanks, babe. I, you know, one thing like I was just thinking about, Mar- so Marissa, fun fact, Marissa was born on my 11th birthday. So we're 11 years apart and, and I've always loved that we shared a birthday. So I think we've always had a really close bond and it was you know being the oldest of six i certainly had moments that were hard to you know with mom and dad being gone a lot and it was hard to take care of everybody but at the same time like just we're really close our siblings are all really close we love each other and and we certainly you know like all kids we fought as kids and weren't as patient or whatever but now as adults we're so close but i just i think having that bond made it easier I, I guess to to manage everything and well
1: we but. we have such a great example like our mother yes I mean she's she serves to no end mm-hmm. I I always laugh because some of my most prominent memories of mom is. Saying, I'm going to lay down and take a nap. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. Yes. And yeah. she's like, wake me yes. up in 30
2: minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I can go get ready so for
1: I bed. So I can go, yeah. Or so I can finish <laughs> the laundry or so. And that is how I survived nurse practitioner school.
0: Really? That's crazy. taking so,
1: naps at like 1030 at night. And like a
0: series of power naps. Yeah. Like you you, just, I
1: just, I had to. So and you wouldn't, I,
0: wouldn't no even get full, full night. sleep? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, like uh, there just weren't enough hours in the day to work and do your rotations and be mom and
2: study I remember, and, and pass your class. I you remember know? talking to you about that, how you would like, I'm just like you would <laughs> cry, but you would go to sleep for a few hours and then wake up and study so that you could get that done before you needed to get your boys up and get them ready for school or, you know, whatever, go to work and school. And I mean, you did it, you did it all, literally all.
0: I think that's an incredible thing to highlight really, because I think it's very important to illustrate that when you are in pursuit of a goal or a dream or a lifestyle or a lifestyle change, for instance, in your case, um, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes and you got to commit to it. Or else you won't get through it. And I don't know how many people out there are really willing to not sleep for two years. Yeah. You know? I mean, and it, and really. like, And you didn't even get weekends off. You know? You, you were working full time. Uh, you know, when you were going through nurse practitioner school at that time, you were fully supporting yourself and on your own. And um, you had two boys to raise that were young. I mean, they were, you know, currently they're.
1: They were three and six.
0: Yeah. So they were, you, had, you know, you had, three, you had you know, two toddlers, really, you know, and um, so you had to arrange childcare, you had to make sure that they when Oakley started school, that that was all coordinated, and you had to continue to work, you had to feed them, you had to feed yourself, which a lot of times, I don't know that you really did, <laughs> you know, um, and you sacrificed whatever you needed to, to make sure that you could attain your goal, yeah. and that is what it takes. And
2: but what's incredible to me is you did not sacrifice your boys and your relationship with your boys. You were always a hands-on mother and did everything you could to spend time with them and to help them be happy and healthy and all of hey, the things? Yeah,
1: I remember... Um it's actually five years this week is the anniversary of when everything happened. So Thanksgiving's always been kind of a weird time for me. Um, because it was the night before Thanksgiving that everything kind of fell apart. And we, I realized we were going to have to get a divorce. And um, I remember going into my kids' rooms that night and just, you know, sobbing and looking at them and just saying, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what's going to happen because I knew that it was going to be the hardest thing that we'd ever done. And this year, um, this year was the first year that on Thanksgiving, like I went to bed with tears of gratitude for where I'm at. Like truly, um, it's hard It is so hard. I remember being, you guys came to help me move and everyone was trying to, you know, lift my spirits. And it was two days after Christmas, we moved into my new house. And, um, I remember sitting in my bathroom and just being just so broken and just asking God, like, just take this away from me because I cannot do it. And if there's any way to spare my kids, you know, the pain that it's going to cause, like, please do it. And I remember in that moment realizing, like, nothing's going to take this away. I can, I can either let myself get buried with my kids or I can fight like hell to get out. And so that's what I did, just one step at a time every day. And I certainly had setbacks, it seemed like on, you know, a weekly basis of feeling like can't do this. And it's it's hard because I think sometimes we look at other people's trials, and people look at us and they think like it is easier than it is, and it's all it's all relative, right? It's all perspective. But I had somebody message me one time, and she said, you know, it's um, it's really great for you that it's been such an easy transition. Whoa! <laughs> wow! Because some of us aren't so lucky, wow. and. I remember when I read that message, I was like in a fetal position in my bathtub in tears because I just, it was one of those days. Like I just, I couldn't do it. And I think every trial that I've had, every like turning point where, you know, you're kind of at a crossroad to decide whether or not you're going to push through or, or let it be the reason that you fail. I feel like every one of those has helped make me a little bit stronger each time. And Like, I have pre-decided, just like I pre-decided I'm not going to do drugs, right? Like, I just, it's not a hard decision for me. I think I have pre-decided, like, I'm just never going to give up for my kids and for my future self. Like, I I owe it to myself. Like, part of this is I'm on this journey of, like, healing and self-discovery and recovery to heal myself and to prove to myself that I can do it, but also to show my voice that like life is really, really crappy sometimes. And I don't know. I think if you want it bad enough, you you'll find a way to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And a lot of
2: times in life, like people wait for their circumstances to change so that it's, easier so that things fall into place so that they can make their goals happen or, you know, just waiting for those, right? Those perfect circumstances. And it just doesn't happen most of the time. And it certainly didn't, certainly wasn't easy for you. Mm -hmm. I know it was so hard. So hard.
0: That was incredibly powerful. Thank you for sharing that. What, when you mentioned those crossroads at those times when I think you call them crossroads, those times when it was, you're at your breaking point and you got to decide, am I going to quit? Am I going to not give up? Right? Am I not going to give up? I love what you said. I'm not going to give up on my boys. And I'm not going to give up for my boys. and I'm not going to give up for my future self. Yeah. That's incredible. It's incredible. I don't know how many people have that internal dialogue when they're in that state. And sometimes you can't even get to that dialogue because you're so buried with the despair and and the bad news and all that's, you know, like you said, the floor falling out from under you. And you're just trying to find a footing how how did you stay grounded that much and then what was able to help you break through that so that you could keep going forward
1: man I really had to take a hard look at like my mental health like it's not talked about I feel like um especially you know going to school alone is really freaking hard it's really hard and um being married is really hard and working full time is really hard. And being a mom, like, so when you add all these things together, it's like the, the mental health side just kind of gets pushed to the back burner. And I had to really, I mean, cause I, I did, I felt like I so easily could have just gone so far the wrong direction, you know, and completely shut down. And, um, I recognized that, and I recognized, like, I have to make a conscious effort every single day to fight like hell, to stay above ground, above water, and I, so I set some boundaries for myself in that I was going to have to make some sacrifices, meaning I wasn't going to have the social aspect of of life that I wanted for a little while, and I was going to have to be very consistent with a few things for my boys meaning we called out every night from the day that we got divorced we they the day that we got split, like we called out every single night and that was extremely painful for me during that time um but I wanted them to know that even though we were apart we were still they still had those people in their life they still had everybody that they needed um I established a bedtime routine that is a non-negotiable. We brush our teeth, we go in and we read a bedtime story sometimes, but we, um, they each get 10 to 15 minutes with me after they've each said a prayer and I say a prayer, rub their backs. It's very consistent and through nurse practitioner school, like so many nights, I just was so exhausted that I did not want to do one ounce of that bedtime routine. But I knew that showing up for them in that way, being consistent, that, like, I am here even though I'm tired and even though I just need to turn the lights off because I need to cry for a minute. Like, they know that they have that consistency with me. Um, so I, I set some boundaries for myself and for my own mental health, being that at nighttime, I'm if, if I feel too tired to do something, I give myself that grace and I'm going to take the time for myself. Um, So I don't know. I I certainly was not perfect at it. Um, It was a learning curve.
3: I was uh, almost more impressed because it goes almost opposite of what you said in previous episodes where uh, you see couples that have been divorced grow to hate each other. Right. And you out of the gate was like, we're going to call dad each night. So it's just a testament to you to have that commitment. Cause like you're saying, some couples get divorced and just grow to hate
0: each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, usually it's an emotionally charged reason why you're getting divorced. Yeah. You know? And and so it's, it's hard. It's hard to stay in ration. It's really easy for emotion to take over and control the dynamic of the relationship at that point. Yeah. And, um,
2: and it's so selfless. That you did that yes. because yeah. you did that for your boys, not for right. you, right? Like that was 100 well, to be able to let, have allow them to feel safe in the relationships with their dad and their mom, and to to just have that security because divorce is so hard on children, and and it's so hard to maintain that security. And I think you've done an incredible job doing that, and and that that you can both now work together as friends and co-parent and be there for your boys. It's, it's a beautiful thing. to. Well, it's like the watch. selfless thing,
3: like you were saying, cause uh, I feel like most people out of a divorce, like to be, put your kids before yourself. Cause obviously, like you said, it was hard, right? Calling each night to him after you got a divorce. So yeah. it's like, however much that's affecting you, you didn't care, yeah. Which is unreal.
0: Well, I, I, the theme that kept occurring in my mind as you were talking about that is discipline versus motivation. You know, you were very disciplined in your approach to to being a mo- single mother, to achieving your goals, to making sure all the needs were met. You were very disciplined about it. You were willing to sacrifice things, like you said, a social life for a period of time um, luxuries, yeah. you know, for a period of time. Um, you know, you weren't necessarily able to be bougie when you wanted to be or, right. you know, whatever, but, and, but, and, and then two of the emotions kept in, crept in and, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, a cakewalk for either one of you, you know, right. um, going through that process. And, but that discipline after the motivation was gone, you yeah. know, after the energy was gone, after you were exhausted after you had nothing left to give you were disciplined enough to still go do it yeah. and to stick to your routine and I, I think that's incredible and, and I think uh, I think that's one of the secrets I mm-hmm. think that's you know one of your secrets to your successes is having an incredible amount of discipline and and being laser focused on the outcomes that you want Yeah, maintaining those that's well, incredible
3: well that was a question I was going to ask because obviously viewers watching I need this
0: to go, I, need, I need to cut
3: for a second you're good
1: no. I need a Kleenex, because you made it's my important. nose run, so then I'm like... You your nose run? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you did. laughs>
3: There's another fly.
1: Um, I know, I saw it. <laughs> the love. Just get it with your hand, Justin. Just, just smack it. <laughs> it's so hard to... Load tap. it up, sis. Oh, boy. On the mic. There
0: you Dang. go. Dang. Oh, my God.
3: I saw it off the mic before. Two tapping it. <laughs>
0: Oh, obliterated, open. <laughs> if you want to cut this or not let me know but i just realized as we were talking about marriage and divorce i looked down and i didn't have my wedding ring on i thought oh no uh, what, what an idiot <laughs> <laughs> i didn't prep <laughs> all of bad. all things to we'll leave out of the shot <laughs> right <at that> <laughs> i'll quote that
3: um so i was thinking viewers that are tuning in you know maybe somebody is going through a divorce or um, are on the cusp of it, or maybe they're struggling with the post after the decision has been made. Like, did you have any advice that, like how you got through it?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, like we were discussing, it was all about my kids. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that it would pain me to, um, have certain discussions with my ex-husband, um, to have to work through things together. Uh, when we weren't this, married unit anymore um our relationship wasn't what it once was but i i just thought okay this is this is terrible like how good can we make it considering the circumstances and and it does require a lot of selfless acts it requires you know i remember having the conversation with them. look we are gonna set some guidelines we will never fight in front of the boys ever Mm -hmm. like post-divorce things can be really difficult like you no longer owe it to each other to like come together and figure out your schedule yeah I I mean you don't yeah um but when you have kids together you do yeah and so he you know thankfully I I have to applaud him on that he he's met me in the middle on that. And he, um, he understands the value in coming together for the betterment of our kids. Um, because if we don't, we're going to tear them apart. And you know, one of my like biggest fears, I remember coming to the realization that we needed to get a divorce. And I, there just was this voice in my head, you know, people saying kids that come from divorced homes are screwed up. And I remember that, like, it totally broke me because I, it made me feel very trapped, made me feel like, um, you know, no matter what I did, it, it, my kids were hosed.
0: Well, like. well, yeah, that's that's an unfortunate story. I mean, it, I don't know if it's a stereotype or a statistic. There, there are, you know, there, there that is said quite a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not necessarily the divorce that screws the kids up. It's the fighting and the the you know using the kids as pawns to get leverage over a spouse or yeah. you know the the really the mental abuse that happens afterwards if people aren't grounded
1: right
0: so that they don't like you guys like how fortunate right that you and your ex husband were both able to like just come together and say look we got to do what's right for the kids yeah and. You, you didn't use them as weapons against each other. Right. And you respected them enough and you respected yourselves enough to make sure that there really was an essence of love. Not that it was, wasn't romantic love, but, but you were acting out of love for your children together. Yeah. And, and that really is a beautiful thing. And I would argue too, though, that kids that come from homes that have parents who are extremely unhappy or who are not on the same page, or who fight all the time, that screws kids up just as bad.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, and I I, yeah. I guess I don't have the statistics behind me to say that, but I have, you know, whether if you're not in a good relationship with your spouse and you're raising kids, you are modeling to your children that, hey, you just stay in a horrible relationship the rest of your life. Yeah. And home is hell. And that's, that's just it, you know? And yeah. that's not good to model for kids either. For sure. Yeah. So I think actually, you know, in some in some respects, it, it may have been one of the most courageous things that you did. Mm-hmm. And may have been one of the greatest things for your boys to have gone through what you did. Especially the way you went through it. Mm-hmm. You know? Thank you. you know, looking back and I mean, your kids can brag about you, you know? Like Thank you that's my mom. Mm-hmm. You know? Thank you. And that's really incredible. So, you know, and I, I've had that conversation with family members and friends who are in marriage relationships that are not ideal for them. And they're like, what do we do? You know, and it's like, well, you got to realize your kids are watching your every move. So are you modeling? Are you, are you setting a model for a, a husband-wife relationship? And for parents, you know, as they're looking into their future thinking of being parents, are you setting a model that you want them to emulate? Right.
1: And, and in our marriage, you know, without getting into too many details, um, you know, my ex-husband was not, he wasn't in a good place. And he will say, like, had you not done what you did, I would have never gotten to where I am now. Like, I would have never gotten out of it. And I, there are circumstances when it's, it is so unfortunate, but there are circumstances when it is not in your family's best interest to stay together it's not healthy, and and you start to lose pieces of yourself when you do stay and you forgive and you sweep it under the rug and you think, okay, well, this is my circumstance, this is this is my story.
0: I think that's really important. We just said you end up starting to lose pieces of yourself.
1: You do because you you start to lower your standard, um, you start to lose hope, you start to lower your expectation for yourself, like. I don't know. In in my mind in my when I was married, you know, I had these big aspirations for like what I wanted my life to look like professionally, as a mother, as a wife. And I felt like I was in this hamster wheel in all aspects. I didn't feel like I could be the mother I wanted to be cuz I didn't get the time. I didn't feel like I professionally, like I was able to do what I wanted to, because I felt like I was meant to do something so much greater, but I couldn't because I was in the wrong place. And in my marriage, I mean, I, I wanted all of the right things. I wanted, you know, a good, happy, healthy marriage. And I know no marriage is perfect, but I, I wanted all of the right things. There was not the opportunity for us to get there anymore. And at that point it was, you know, my kids were three and six. I only have how many more years until they're out of the house, and I have a small window to influence them and to show them how, what type of adults they need to be. And I, I didn't feel like I had the ability to do that in the circumstance I was in. And so, for us, it was it was the right thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I can tell you, I lost sight of that. I lost sight of. I was so wrapped up in my own mental health struggles, uh, for for lack of a better term, it's an all encompassing term. I don't want that to make it sound worse than it was, right? <laughs> but it really was working through things in my mind, you know, anxiety and trauma and different things, and um, not even really knowing I had that, pro- you know, to work through. I just knew my I felt my brain didn't work, you know, mm-hmm. and I always knew that I was I thought differently than most people, but as I was going through the worst of my decisions. I lost sight of what you just said. You only have a certain amount of time with your kids. Yeah. And I can't get a couple years back. Yeah. And it made a difference. I can tell. In my older kids, it made a difference for worse that I lost sight of that. And so the only reason I highlight that is I just want to speak to the importance of parents... Not losing sight of that. Not losing sight of that finite time that you have with your children. You only have so many weekends to spend with your children. You know, if you're going to spend every one of them sleeping in, like I did this morning and I feel guilty about, maybe that's why I'm talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) After three hard days of Thanksgiving, though, man, like, (laughs) (laughs) I justified it, but I still feel guilty about it. But anyways, you only have so many weekends with your kids. You only have so many opportunities to take them to lunch or to pick them up from school or to go to their games and and then it's gone and you can't make that time up. Yeah. I think it's incredible that you kept sight of that because I even lost it and um that's something you don't give back um i I love that you said earlier marissa where you said you know thanks we're talking about the seasonality of thanksgiving and how the seasonality commonly seasonality does bring up triggers or even happy memories or you know um it it can stimulate your memory whether it's good or bad and i i am grateful and love that you were able to say this year you were able to cry tears of joy um, that's incredible. And, and it speaks to really the character of both you and your ex-husband that you are able to get there. Thank you. And, um, I, how wonderful to be able to have a positive chapter now and to have hope moving forward and looking mm-hmm. to a greater future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we spent a, a decent amount of this episode, um, talking about this. So we are going to dive into a lot more with Marissa on future episodes so don't forget to tune in we want to thank you for being here and sharing your story with us i know that it's gonna it's gonna benefit many people as they listen to you and your wisdom and your experience we appreciate you you sharing that so don't forget to do your part now don't forget to clickety click like subscribe and share (laughs) and don't forget to tune in to the next episode of the value script